0: Hello, and welcome to The Horror Files. I'm your host, Vincent, and I will be reading the Candle Cove series. Yes, series. I thought it was only the one story, but apparently there are six Candle Cove stories. I'm not sure which one is considered canon in the Candle Cove lore, but I'm just going to read them all and hope that they make sense together. I'll be reading from the oldest to the earliest since there's no like Candle Cove 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, because that would just be too easy, huh? So I will be reading them in order of publishing date. I will be reading Candle Cove, A Candle Cove Anecdote, Candle Cove Experiences, Lullaby Rock, A Candle Cove Story, Candle Cove, Down in the... Just down in the tab doesn't go that far. And Candle Cove, Day of the Dead. I literally have no idea what any of those are about. I've only read the first one, but let's hope they're actually decent. All right. Candle Cove, net nostalgia forum, television, local. Skyshell, 033. Subject, Candle Cove, local kids show. Does anybody remember this kids show? It was called Candle Cove, and I must have been around 6 or 7. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think it was on a local station around 1971 or 1972. I lived in Ironton at the time. I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was on at a weird time, like 4pm. Mike Painter, 65. Subject, re-Candle Cove, local kids show. It seems really familiar to me. I grew up outside of Ashland and and was nine years old in 72. Kendall Cove, was it about pirates? I remember a pirate marionette at the mouth of a cave talking to a little girl. Skyshell 033. Subject, Re Kendall Cove, local kids show. Yes! Okay, I'm not crazy. I remember Pirate Percy. I was- Always kind of scared of him. He looked like he was built from parts from of other dolls. Real low budget. His head was an old porcelain baby doll. Looked like an antique that didn't belong on the body. I don't remember what station this was. I don't think it was WTSF though. Jaren, 2005. Subject, re Kendall Cove Local Kids Show. Sorry to resurrect this old thread, but I know exactly what show you mean, Skyshell. I think. Kendall Cove... Candle Cove ran for only a couple months in 71, not 72. I was 12, and I watched it a few times with my brother. It was Channel 58, whatever station that was. My mom would let me switch to it after the news. Let me see what I can remember. It took place in Candle Cove, and it was about a little girl who imagined herself to be friends with pirates. The pirate ship was called the Laughing Stock and Pirate Percy wasn't a very good pirate because he got scared too easily. And there was calliope music constantly playing. Don't remember the girl's name. Janice, or jade or something i think it was janice skyshell 033 subject re candle cove local kitchen thank you jaren memories flooded back when you mentioned the laughing stock in channel 58 i remember the bow of the ship was a wooden smiling face with the lower jaw submerged it looked like it was swallowing the sea and it had that awful edwine voice and laugh i remember how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden plastic model to the form to the foam puppet version of the head that talked Mike Painter 65. Subject Re Kendall Cove Local Kids Show. Haha, ha, I remember now too. Do you remember this part, Skekshell? You have to go inside. Sky Shell 033. Subject Re Kendall Cove Local Kids Show? Ugh, Mike, I got a chill reading that. Yes, I remember. That's what the ship always told Percy when there was a spooky place he had to go in, like a dark cave or a dark room where the treasure was. And the camera would push in on Laughingstock's face with each pause. You have to to go inside, with his two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw on the fishing line that opened and closed it. Ugh, it just looked so cheap and awful. You guys remember the villain? He had a face that was just a handlebar mustache above really tall, narrow teeth. Kevin Hart. Subject, re Kendall Cove Local Kids Show. I honestly, honestly, thought the villain was Pirate Percy. I was about five when the show was on. Nightmare fuel. Jaren 2005. Subject, re Kendall Cove Local Kids Show. That wasn't the villain. The puppet with the mustache, that was the villain's sidekick. Horace Horrible. He had a monocle too, but it was on top of the mustache. I used to think that meant he only had one eye. But yeah, the villain was another marionette. The Skin Taker. I can't believe what they let us watch back then. Kevin Hart, Subject Re Kendall Cove, Local Kids Show? Jesus H. Christ, the Skin Taker. What kind of kid show were we watching? I seriously could not look at the screen when the Skin Taker showed up. He just descended out of nowhere on his strings, just a dirty skeleton wearing that brown top hat and cape, and his glass eyes that were too big for a skull. Christ almighty. Skyshell 033. Subject re, Kennel Cove Local Kids Show. Wasn't his top hat and cloak all sewn up crazily? Was that supposed to be children's skin? Mike Painter 65. Subject re, Kennel Cove Local Kids Show. Yeah, I think so. Remember his mouth didn't open and close, his jaw just slid back and forth i remember the little girl said why does your mouth move like that and the skin taker didn't look at the girl but at the camera and said to grind your skin skin shell sky shell <laughs> 033 subject re kennel cove local kid show i'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show i used to have this awful memory a bad dream i had where the opening jingle ended the show faded in from black and all the characters were there but the camera was just cutting to each of their faces and they were just screaming, and the puppets and marionettes were flailing spastically and just all screaming, screaming That the girl was just moaning and crying like she had been through hours of this I woke up many times from that nightmare I used to wet the bed when I had it Kevin Hart, subject re Candle Cove Local Kids Show? I don't Think that was a dream? I remember that. I remember that was an episode. Skyshell 33 Subject: Re Candle Cove local kids show. No, 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 not possible. There was no plot or anything. I mean, literally just standing in place, crying and screaming for the whole show. Kevin Hart. Subject: Re Candle Cove local kids show. Maybe I'm manufacturing the memory because you said that, but I swear to God, I remember seeing what you described. They just screamed. Jaren, 2005. Subject, re. Candle Cove, local Kids show? Oh, God, yes, the little girl, Janice. I remember seeing her shake and the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, his jaw careening so wildly. I thought it would come off its wire hinges. I turned it off, and it was the last time I watched. I ran to tell my brother, and we didn't have the courage to turn it back on. Mike Painter, 65. Subject re, Candle Cove local kid's show? I visited my mom today at the nursing home. I asked her about when I was little in the early 70s, when I was 8 or 9, and if she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove. She said that she was surprised I could remember that, and I asked why, and she said, because I used to think it was so strange that you said, I'm gonna go watch Candle Cove now, mom, and then you would tune the TV to static and just watch dead air for 30 minutes. You You had a big imagination with your little pirate show. Candle Cove Anecdote Loved this show. Horace Horrible was my favorite. I remember looking everywhere for his action figure, but Kitty City and KB had never even heard of the line. I finally found a talking Horace good as new at, at somebody's yard sale, though I don't didn't see a house around and never saw those people again. I was pretty excited and ran right to my friend's house to gloat. When his mom answered the door, she let out the most guttural scream I'd ever heard, absolutely scaring the shit out of me. She told me to get lost with that thing and slammed the door in my face. My kid logic concluded that she must have known I bought a toy from a stranger completely unsupervised, and that it must have been an even more serious crime than I thought. So I did my best to keep Horace hidden, especially from my own parents. But his voice chip was pretty damn loud, and every so often he'd go off by himself, like his battery was dying. My mom kept asking if Marble, our Cat, was in my room. I don't know how he'd mistake that goofy chuckling for Cat. It was subtle at first, but after a few days, he started to smell weird. His voice kept getting weaker and more garbled, and his joints kept getting looser like they were ready to drop off. I was afraid of getting caught, and we didn't have trash pickup, so I did what a rational child does when he thinks he has contraband, and buried it in the woods. I never found another one or figured out what was wrong with him, but it's the weirdest thing. A tree grew where I left him. I shit you not, in just a couple weeks. It never grew leaves, and it never got much taller than me, but it's there to this day and every summer it swarms with a disturbing number of flies. <laughs> Candle Cove Experiences Tales of the Laughing Stock Occurring to the fact that most kiddie shows have turned up dead ends, one show, Candle Cove, has made an impact here. I made myself hunt down whatever cast remained of the show, regardless of their fear. I wanted to know everything about this show, but in the process I came to understand that there hid something much darker abroad aboard than just what I was told and what I had heard. I have posted some of my thoughts into the page at points to have a feel for the interviewees here. I note that those being interviewed are indicated by the quotation marks around them. You may notice that a censor will appear. I did that so no one may want to bombard me with questions and such. It's a privacy thing, and I'm sorry if I offended the readers. With that, I present to you this pi- page in the lore. Candle Cove Experiences, Tales of the Laughingstock, Day 1. My first knowing of the Candle Cove lore came out of the Net Nostalgia Forum back some time. However, many of the episodes have never been found, and many of the props are either long gone or spread out over the world. However, after this mention of the show, I had to dig further into it. What I discovered over my round trip was something dark residing within the studios itself. The show, originally called Pirate Place, was loosely based on an old, quite lost short story called The Nick, The Knickerbocker's Tale from 1767 about a little Irish boy arriving to the land of pirates to find his way back home the story's writer a man believed to be called Colin cockery vanished into the dark stories about it say that he was a madman who married well and had a daughter who vanished without a trace near his home this inspired him to write the story and shortly after he was found dead by his wife the story was lost for several years until in 1970 when a local tv station in ashland found the rights to the story and converted it into a children's series i managed to find some of the studio workers but none of them were able to tell me about it well there was one Day two. Asking this woman to nearly relive her nightmare of 1971 was nearly impossible, but thankfully she decided to. Reluctantly, anyways. Okay, miss, I'm not comfortable giving my last name, or my first. Okay then, mind if I call you Jane? No, I don't. Okay, then. Well, Jane, I understand you had a part in a kitty show at Kendall Cove, correct? Set designer. Well, part of it. I helped in the construction of the laughing stock, and many of the characters as well. I see. Was it a good experience? Oh, very. It was a great one. Until towards the end of the show itself. How so? Well, that damn Grimes, that's what it was. Grimes? Emerson Grimes? The show's director? Is there another Grimes you know on the series? Here she lit a cigarette, something that, from her appearance and fear of Grimes foretold, I actually expected from her. Well, how did he manage to scare you? How did he? he was a nut job, a loony. He forced a five year old, Jody Silver, to near heat stroke, changed scripts, everything was fine until the show grew darker and darker. How dark was it getting? Now that I kind of knew about the infamous question to the skin taker and his answer to Janice. When a skeleton named The Skin Taker proclaims that the reason for his mouth to move weird is for grinding your skin, you will have some problems. Grimes was insane, but The Last Straw was the last episode of the series. I knew about this and moved on to her designs of the show. She explained that it was a damned kiddie show that turned into a puppet show from hell overnight. She wanted to end the conversation, but not before I asked about any surviving members or crew. There are a few of them still around, but you have to find them on your own. Day 3. I did, however, manage to find Jodie Silver, who played Janice on the show, now an adult of 45. She resides with her husband, Damon Lewis, and her two kids. If you see her now, she has lost all of that childhood spunk that she had on the show. She works as a writer of parrot Stories and Haunted Mysteries. I managed to record on tape an interview with her. Um, are you Miss Jodie Silver? Why, I haven't been called that in years. Yes, I am Jodie Silver, but people call me Jody Lewis nowadays. Oh, I'm sorry about the mix-up. I'm... <coughs> And I am writing a book on an old kitty show used to be on. Jesus Christ, please tell me you were joking. It was here that I noticed she seemed agitated at the sound of a book being written on something she was trying so hard to put behind her. It's no joke, Mrs. Lewis. Well, I won't warn you that you were a total nutcase for doing it. That show has given me bad dreams, ruined my childhood, and I've even had therapy because of it. I do not- I don't wish to speak about. Please, Jody, just- one interview that's all i'm asking for just one hell if you have to go through therapy again for it i'll personally pay out of pocket it was here she stood long and hard christ fine fine meet me here for an interview with that she handed me a card with her address on it i promised she wouldn't regret this but i had a feeling that she already was day four Hello there, Mrs. Lewis. Well, hi there. Come on in. Her house wasn't big, but not small either. I could tell she had little ones running about from the sounds of kitty shows, floating faintly from the television set, and many toys scattered about. It was like trying to walk through a forest of mousetraps without setting one off. Eventually, we got to the small dining room of the home, with a good outlook over the water. A place to dream dreams. Okay, now about the show. Well... It started out as a dream come true. I was a huge fan of shows like Jumbo, Circus, Sunshine City, and Fisherman Fred, and I really wanted to be on a kiddie show. I got my wish when I heard the studio was looking for a young girl to play the role of Janice for the new show. And sure, there are many little girls who wanted the role so badly, so I did my best to win the studio over. Which happened. I loved the idea of the show. I did my very best to do everything right. Turned out you should be careful of what you wish for. Why is that now? I really don't want to tell you, but... I must. You see, on set, some changes started happening. Grimes would change scripts, things seemed to be a bit scary, and for the first episode to seem so mean and such was odd for a kid's show, and then that horrible last episode. What episode? The last episode of the first season? Wow. Mm, You really need to brush up on your history of this. There were two seasons of the show. The final episode of the second season was the worst ever tentatively and carefully asked her to tell me screams just screams. Everyone's screaming, and that man grime's destroying the sets. He told everyone to just scream, and loudly. Many did. It got to the point where one of the actors, the man who played the skin-taker, referring to Michael Collins, started to bleed. He nearly choked on his own blood. I bawled my eyes out. It was there she started to cry, all of those memories coming back to her. She asked me to stop, and I did. I explained I was sorry to bring back these memories. I never meant that as my intention. I remember the skin-taker. He hung, his head tilted and low, his jaw hanging from one socket, and parts of his arm torn off day five i left to go find michael Collin when i came across a yard sale i know creepy pastiche, right i asked them about some old recorded tapes i saw and they said they were mostly shows for the son when he was young i noticed that some of them were from candle cove although they were very smudged and probably in horrible condition i bought the videos from them anyway now it's probably here when you expect me to say that i popped in the tape and evil shit happened blah 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 yada yada satan appeared threatening to R.I.P.E. My soul, and Pirate Percy came at me in a dream as a cannibalistic demon, something like a creepypasta-ish event, right? That's not the case, folks. I popped it in, and sure enough, static. But eventually it came on sure it was jumpy and it was a static juncture but eh, it was the show nonetheless it was an odd first show being that janice was being made fun of so horribly and that percy would reclaim for her to not kill him and the thought of kidnapping on the show was an odd tidbit to be in there but i had to continue sadly i didn't make it past episode two day eight there was a gap due to a break for a while i presume. Pursued my interest in finding any contact with crew members or cast members aside from Jane and Jody. I managed to find a Mr. Walter Shea, who was a stagehand on the show. I managed to write this letter. Dear Mr. Shay, my name is... And I am writing a book entitled Candle Cove Experiences, Tales of the Laughing Sock. I am interviewing whatever remaining ca- crew and cast there are from the show. I was asked. At- Wondering if we could arrange a possible meeting with one another, or an actual interview, of course. If that's all right with you, I can be contacted at the Nahoma Motel address. Thank you for your time. I received a letter sometime later. Dear... You may be the dumbest person I have ever met. Why in the hell would you dare to bring up such a subject that has haunted me and everyone else on that show? Do you know the absolute tragedy that is accumulated from that? But it's also a way to get things off my chest from it. I will meet you for an interview, but what I say about the show is the 100% truth. Eyewitness. You must not judge what I will say. If you do, I'll make sure that your journey will end with me. Enclosed is a card for where to meet me at, and at what time. I'm not a snobbish man, but I won't do this again. Sincerely, Walter Shay. Day 15. I met with Walter Shea later on within the week. Having to time it right, I left after day 10 for Tulsa. It took some time to watch the other episodes, but I managed. They did seem darker, as Jane had stated before. Some of them are getting hard hard to watch, but I have to keep watching. The infamous To Grind Your Skin episode came on. That was the worst. It's one thing with a shitty motel TV that makes every program, like watching something from the 70s. It's another when the damn tape keeps jumping and staticking out every two minutes. I felt like those people trying to watch porn on their old boxes, if you know what I mean. The scramblers. Anyhow, I got to meet him where he wanted. He came in on a wheelchair, explaining how he was paralyzed. Okay, now, Mr. Sherry, you said you had information. Yeah, the whole damn show is a curse. What do you mean by that? You could only dream of what I mean. It's exactly how I said it. That show is a curse. I don't understand Really, I don't. I broke my leg on that show when a damn ladder fell off and smashed on my leg after I fell. I felt something when that hit, like something pushed that ladder down. Then the episodes got darker. There were two episodes that never aired in season two. Those two were the worst of the worst. What happened? That Grimes in one episode has Janice. That Grimes in one episode has Janice, implied, of course, to be cannibalized by the skin taker in a dream. Another one was to be to reveal that Nathan had been kidnapped and turned into part of the cape for the bastard. Hell, Grimes wanted to fucking have Janice killed and skinned alive on camera. The end of the series was to have continued with Melrose winding up in the world looking for Janice. Me and the cast had to make sure that never happened, so we shot those ideas down every time. This pissed him off, I think that's why he did that final episode. You know, the screaming episode. You mean he wanted to show a little girl being skinned alive? Yes, and that fucker's a monster too. He didn't vanish. I'll tell you something I've never told anyone. Go on. After we finished filming that episode, I went back to get some of the mine. I saw Grimes pleading to the set pieces, as if they were alive. He was pleading that he did his job right. He made sure. He started ripping his hair and teeth out. Screaming, trying to get whatever it was away from killing him. He fell backwards and hung himself on a cord. The sound of his neck snapping. God, it still haunts me. They said that he'd just vanish. You're saying that he lost it and accidentally killed himself? Yes! Now I knew something horrible did happen. It was freaking me out, and now I wanted to stop. But I had to know what happened to Grimes. They never found the body. I got rid of it. I couldn't let them think that he had just wanted to make things happen to himself. I had to do something, out of decency of my being at least. What did you do? I buried him. I took his old, lanky body out to the woods behind the studio, and I buried him. I told myself there was nothing to fear but fear itself. There's something there. I walked back through the studio and I felt something eerie present in the Skin Taker puppet, like it was watching me. I got out of there as quick as I could. Some time later, that damned final episode aired, and I will never forget what I saw. It was horrible. I was afraid of the show now. What was lying ahead of the episodes for me? I had some more stops to go, but I advised myself that if things got too deep, I would stop there and work with what I have. Day nineteen. It has been hard to sleep. I keep having the same nightmare. The skin taker coming at me, threatening to grind my skin. It's hard to wake up to just static static, because I can hear that fucking theme song in my head every time I do. I gave up a little bit, but I had to keep going. I made a list of people who claimed to have items from the series. Some proved to be idiots who made the items themselves. Indications were of the modern look to them. However, there were some who did have items. The items I have gotten so far are listed one of the skin taker's glass eyes, the arms of pirate Percy's, the hat, albeit somewhat in tatters, of the skin taker, one of the eyes of Horrible Horace, tooth belonging to the laughing stock. The most unique item I found, and I swear to you I found this one at a house in Missouri. The original owner was a man named Kyle Bartlett. His daughter, Judith, Judith was nice enough to show me part of the collection he had. He had the original Skin Taker head. Now I thought it was a fake since the jaw was intact, whereas Jane had seen that the jaw was partially torn off. As it turns out, Kyle was one of the crewmen in the show. He loved the Skin Taker as a villain. When he found that it was so destroyed, he put some he put much time inserting the jaw back in its place. I asked to have it, but she denied that request. I did see that I was missing one eye in its famed hat. I brought these items back and put them inside by myself. The head is now complete, but she allowed no photography or video to be made, stating that her father wouldn't want his favorite to be spoiled. She sounded like a mother to a child. I had to keep up. My search led me to New York, where one Mr. Michael Collin lived. The very same Michael Collin who voiced the skin taker on the show. The same Michael Collin whose son, Trevor Collin, was murdered in the fall of 1981. Meeting him was hard. He wanted nothing to do with this, but I had to interview him. Really, I did. He refused for some time until he decided to. Hello there, Mr. Colin. Yeah, hi there. Um, I am sorry about this. Must not be really sorry to make a man who lost his son ten years ago after that goddamn episode had aired talk about this fucking show. The nightmares still haunt me. Every night, I can see that episode playing in my head. I'm sorry about your son and the nightmares. He took a shot at Jack Daniels and said, Don't be. Not your fault this happened. My life. My wife left me three years after he passed on. I had a dream that night. The very night it happened. It was a skin taker holding a knife, chasing him and brutally murdering him. It's odd that he was in a neighborhood where a local gang noticed the walking skulls just so happened to be in. But they don't use knives in their crimes, so does someone else. I never knew that. Never asked me to tell you. And that damn episode screwed my voice up, which is why I sound so different than how I should... I'm sorry to hear that. Understand, you see? Grimes wanted that show to be dark. I thought he was nuts. I didn't want to do the Grind Your Skin episode at all, since I read that damn script. He threatened to fire me, and I couldn't do that. I had a wife and a kid all in the way. I can not lose work like that, so I did it, unfortunately. Ah, I see. What happened the night the last episode premiered? He sighed, took another shot of the jack, and told me. After that damn episode... I got the hell out of there. I went directly home to get all that I could. I grabbed my wife and my infant son and got the hell out of town. I left that damn place with dignity and got to a nearby township. I had the misfortune to be in the hospital in time for that final fucking episode to air. I had no choice but to watch it, and I regret doing so. Oh dear, I'm so sorry to hear that. If you want to, I could live here. We could finish if you'd like for it to. Sounds good, I'm sorry, I just can't do this. I'm just sorry. I left him there crying, actually regretting that I'd left him. I wish I hadn't. Day 27. I was reading a newspaper and I skimmed the obituaries. I am unfortunate to say that Mr. Michael Collin committed suicide some time ago. He shot himself in the head. He left a suicide note. The NYPD stated that it was a letter to me. It had my name and address on it. Dear. I'm sorry to announce that by the time you read this, I'll be gone. It's not your fault, but the dream came back hard after the interview. It's much harder for me to deal with it. But last night's dream was the final straw. The skin taker came to me in that damned hat, stating that my son has a special place. I saw part of my boy's face on the upper right side of the hat, looking at me with a classy kind of stare. A single ear rolled down his face, and I heard him screaming in agony. It broke my heart. I can't. I can't take the dreams anymore. I can't handle it. And I want you to understand that you mustn't go on. Jody told me about your interview with her, and she's planning on coming to New York for the funeral. I told her that she should forget about it, but since you came around, it's been harder for her to forget. I have to cease this. I'm so sorry, really, I am. Sincerely, Michael Cullen. Because of this letter, the death of this man, and the nightmares I have trudged up, I'm ceasing this project and going home. It's unfortunate to have to quit this, being that I was far ahead in it, but it's the right thing to do. Day 30. My name is. was a close friend of mine, and he asked for me to post it recently. Post it here. Recently, he killed himself, or it was a homicide. Or it was a homicide. I'm not so sure. Police said that he was working on something, but when the interviewed were questioned, they never said a word, because they knew better than to rat him out and trudge up more nightmares for themselves. <coughs> Was a wonderful man in his life. His girlfriend, who is expecting a baby sometime within the year, is broken up about this. I am sorry to say that in his message to me, he wrote that he met with one final person after the Michael Collin interview. He stated it was a man named Adrian Grimes. Emerson Grimes' nephew. He asked for me to put the interview on here. The interview was made via telephone. (coughs) Is this Adrian Grimes? Adrian Grimes. This is he. May I ask what this is about? (coughs) This is about the show Candle Cove? Adrian. A.G. That show. Hmm. Yes. A.G. Look, I don't know who this is, but my uncle has been dead for years. His body was never found, and I swear to you that if this is some prank, it's not funny. Hmm. It's not a prank at all, I swear. A.G. A.G. Look, you want to know about the show, my uncle was a sick man. He told me about it and I watched it. Now I will tell you that every single person that was on that show is in their own place on it. I, however, want nothing to do with it. I got to see the making of one episode, alright? One episode. It never got aired and I hope it never will either. Season two, meaning either episode five or six. Ag. What the hell are you talking about? No, this happened after the season ended. A new director. Can't remember his name. It was supposed to be the season 3 starter. I was invited to be on the show as a character. My father took advantage of it. Since then, I hate all the show because my fucked up uncle was a part of it. Now leave me alone. Lullaby Rock A Candle Cove memoir Just a little, in the right kind of way. Kids enjoy being scared. They don't find loud and horrific things fun, but if something gives off a vibe of the perfect proportion of creepiness, it will turn a child's head, and instead of triggering his uneasiness and cause him to back away, it instills in him a sense of adventure, so he may find out for certain if there really is anything from which to back away. Candle Cove did that for me. Maybe it was the weird puppets. Maybe it was the themes of haunted caves, murderous pirates, and skin grinding skeletons. Maybe it was the weird camera and sound quality. Whatever it was, I was five years old in 1971 and caught the pilot one day while mom was out running errands. And thus the dial was mine to turn. I came upon the show and was instantly hooked. I've been reading up recently, my curiosity reignited and my caution diminished, about this theory that the show was just weak signal static and these rumors about this screaming episode that apparently earned the laughing stock and a crew in a pull from the seas and the channel 58 airwaves. I can tell you right now, it wasn't just dead air or snow. However, I can't confirm the existence of episode 2 through 12, because I didn't get a chance to see it, or for that matter any of the episodes in the second season. After all, they only aired once. This is the story of why I missed them. On Tuesday, September 21st, 1971, I came home from school in my mom's clunky Volkswagen since there was nothing particularly interesting on in mom's eyes. She would forfeit the television to me for an hour while she rode on our exercise bike in the basement. And of course that day, just like several weeks leading up to it, the dial turned right to 58. Episode 6 of season 1, I would later find out, was called Ship Crash. Appropriately enough, the premise involves Percy musing about the lovely song of the Selenian dolphins. A woman is heard rhythmically cooing in the background, and winds f- up falling asleep and winds up falling asleep at the helm of Laughingstock, and apparently sleep steering crashing her into a large jagged rock jutting out of the waters in the corner of a cove. The rest of the episode involves Janice and Poppy frantically trying to repair their ship before it sinks, all the while fighting sleep. Eventually they spot a strange cre- a strange tree growing near the peak of the mountainous rock, and decided it would make great torchwood for distress beacons, so Janice goes to fetch it. On her journey, she begins to sleepwalk, which is how she comes across Susan's siren. Susan, like most of the other characters on the show, had a cheap but almost intentionally strange design. She was not a puppet, but an actress, with her body and face painted a sea-greenish pallor, her lips a vibrant orange to complement it. She was dressed rather, well, inappropriately for a kid's show, her breasts only obscured by metallic brazier small chains, possibly intended originally for necklaces, serving as straps. Her bottom piece was also fashioned in this way, with a large, obviously paper mache chain attached to her iron panties and the rock behind her, meant to shackle her there. The top half of her head, including her eyes and nose, were concealed by a headpiece fashioned to make her look more cartoonish, but it also had, pale, had a pale green skin as well as orange hair and large spherical large orange eyes to match the lipstick. Susan Siren explained to Janice that she was condemned to Lullaby Rock centuries ago, when a fleet of ships almost crashed due to her hypnotic, sleep-inducing singing. Janice laments that she cannot free Susan, but promises to return to visit if Susan promises to lure another ship without crashing it to the rock to rescue them. Susan agrees and sings a peaceful song about your hard works at sea and how it's earned you a nap. The day I came home from school, especially drained, I remember that much. That day, I came home from school, especially drained. I remember that much. What had happened in kindergarten that would leave a five-year-old so exhausted is lost to time. But I remember being tired, so taking Susan's advice, I switched from a sitting position on the couch to a laying one and let my heavy eyes sink. Only seconds after my eyelids made everything dark, I heard the song end, and Susan boasts to Janice, Now watch this. My eyes fluttered open eager to see what had happened but i was somewhere else the room was white as were the sheets on the bed i had apparently been tucked into there were silver boxing machines surrounding me beeping monotonously a little tube poked into my arm and connected it to a po- hanging patch of clear liquid i wanted to touch it but was afraid of the pain i wanted to scream but a large tube had been shoved in my mouth i wanted to cry and struggle and kick down the walls but i was too weak so i settled for sobbing after a few minutes of that A woman in a white dress rushed in and called for a doctor who simply studied me, but he did call my mother, and after I was unhugged from all those machines and lashed onto her, exchanging with her happy sobs, she sat me down to explain that I had been in a coma for nearly two years. So why is my curiosity only rekindled now? I suppose I never related it to the show. The doctors never gave a straight answer as to why this happened to me, so who else could know for one? I only started looking into it again about a week ago, around a month after my mom's funeral. I was going through some of her tax receipts when I found an empty envelope from NASA, dated December 29, 1971. The kind of envelope a check might arrive in. Oh, wait, that's it? Cove down in the dark time takes it all whether you want it to or not and in the end there's only darkness sometimes we find others in that darkness sometimes we lose them there again Stephen King the Green Mile I'm a grown woman and I am well past needing my father to come and save me but even so I wish he were here now I guess I never realized before just how much he's always been there for me sometimes I wonder wait let me start from the beginning when I was six years old, I became obsessed with seeing the pirate trip. I overheard a kid at school talking about it. He said it was a puppet show about a little girl who's friends with pirates, and that it was on in the afternoon. Once I heard that, I had to see it. You know how little kids get except with, uh, obsessed with one particular thing for no reason. For me, that thing was pirates. I'm still not sure why, but hey, I was six. The boy did not want to tell me what channel was on, but after I pestered him enough, he gave up. After school, I ran into the TV to wait for 4 o'clock. But when the time came, nothing was there. The channel was just static. I flipped through all the stations looking for the show. The next day, I accused the boy of making the whole thing up, but another girl in the class said no, the show was real. She'd seen it too. I asked her why I couldn't find it, and she didn't have an answer. The boy said that I that really, I shouldn't watch it anyway, but he would not say why. And after that, he stopped talking to me at all. Every day at four, I sat in front of the TV, hoping that the pirate show would magically appear. I even asked Dad to call the local affiliate and ask about it. Dad would do almost anything for me. But they said they'd never heard of it. I was crushed. Months went by, the school year ended, and I became less zealous in my four o'clock vigil. But I would still check from time to time. One day, I went down to the basement, where Dad kept the old black-and-white TV in his workroom. Back then, I had the idea that different TV sets showed different shows, so I would always check both if I couldn't find what I wanted on. It was 4 o'clock, and I tuned to channel 58, just like always, but this time something was different. I heard static, but underneath it, just barely there, I heard music. Strange, bouncy, calliope music, and although the channel was still scrambled, I could just barely make out a picture. There, after all this time, was the pirate show. There was the little girl, there were the pirate marionettes, and there was a ship with a talking figurehead. It was just like the kids at school described. Of course the picture was a mess, and I could only hear half the dialogue, but I didn't care. I was ecstatic. I don't remember much about the program. It was half over by the time I turned it on. The only thing I really do remember was the part where the little girl and the pirate are standing outside of a cave and the ship tells them, you have to go inside. Just like that. I guess doesn't sound like much, but at the moment, I became very scared, and I turned the TV off and almost ran out of the basement. Suddenly, I wasn't interested in the pirate show anymore. That should have been the end of it, and in fact, I'd like to think it was. I'd like to think that what happened next was all a dream or the product of a six-year-old's imagination. For most of the last 40 years, that's exactly what I've thought. But now I've started to wonder. That night, probably around two o'clock in the morning, I went to use the bathroom. I was never scared of the dark when I was a kid, and in fact, I was a little proud of how I felt brave enough to wander around our old creaky house with no lights on. On the way back, I noticed that the basement door was open. Just a crack, and I heard something down the basement. It was that strange, jumbled circus music from the show. It was still playing. I stood there for a long time, not sure what to do. I heard the music and the voices of the characters drifting up the basement steps. Plain as day, they were very loud, and there was no more noisy static i told myself that i had simply left the television on even though i knew i hadn't and that dad had somehow missed up before going to bed even though i knew he never would yes that would almost make sense except that it didn't explain why a kid show which up until that afternoon seemed never to be on at all would be on at two in the morning i was as i've said Never a child afraid of the dark, or much of anything else. So despite the strange circumstances, I resolved to go down and turn the old TV off and go back to bed. It didn't seem like a completely good idea, I'll admit, but I certainly wasn't going to run away from a television. I opened the basement door all the way and would probably have gone down if not for the fact that at the very moment I prepared to put my little bare foot on the first basement step I heard that voice again. You have to go inside. But... It- It didn't sound as if it were coming from the television. There are limits to what even the bravest six-year-old will do, and I had to reach them. So I ran all the way to my dad's room and woke him up. He listened very calmly to my story, and when I was done, he picked me up and carried me with him to the basement door. There was no music now, and no voices, just darkness and silence. He set me down as he prepared to go downstairs. I wanted to stop him. I was sure all of a sudden that whatever was down there, I didn't want my daddy to be down there with it. But I couldn't think of anything to say, so I just watched him as he marched down those dark steps one at a time. I have never been as frightened as I was for those minutes that my father was down in that basement. A part of me was certain he was never coming back. I even imagined that maybe something else would come back instead, but I wasn't sure what. But of course he came back. He said that I had left the TV on, just like I thought. I asked him what was on it, and he said, nothing. Just that. Nothing. And then he tucked me back into bed and sang to me and stroked my hair until I fell asleep. I loved my father very much. After that, I more or less forgot about the whole thing. If it ever crossed my mind in the years to come, I chalked it up as a nightmare. Dad never mentioned it either. There is one thing I noticed though, that I never really thought about until tonight. Dad got rid of that old TV shortly after. In fact, he stopped watching television altogether, and he stopped working in the basement too. After I went to college, he canceled the service and got rid of the other TV, and as far as I know, never got another one. I wonder about that now. Just like I wonder about those times as a little girl when I would catch my father staring off at nothing with his head tilted a little to one side like he was listening to something. A song or a voice that only he could hear. And I wonder whether it's just my imagination or time tampering with my memories or if my father didn't have a strange look on his face when he came out of the basement that night. And had his voice quavered a little? And hadn't he been down there just a little longer than it should have taken simply to turn off a television set? I guess those are questions only my father could have answered, and now he never will. Today was his funeral, and that's why tonight, for the first time in 25 years, I am sleeping in the old house alone. As they lowered his casket into the ground, the unwelcome image of him marching down those basement steps came back to me, and I shivered. This time, when my father went down into the dark alone, I was sure he would not be back. That was the first time in a long time I thought about the pirate show, or the night in the basement. I'd prefer not to keep thinking about it, especially since I have so much else on my mind, but I'm afraid I don't have much choice. You see, when I came in tonight, the basement door was open. I can hear music down there, and voices, ones I haven't heard since I was six. And I'm sure that if I open the basement door all the way and stand at the top of the stairs, I'll hear another voice telling me that I have to go inside but I'm sure there's no television down there. I don't want to go. I want to run to my daddy's room and wake him up and have him sing me to sleep again, but of course I can't. I do not think it's a coincidence that this is happening the same day we buried him. I think somehow that this is something my father has been protecting me from a long time, for a long time. Maybe not. Maybe there's nothing sinister in the basement 40 years ago, and maybe there's nothing down there now, and maybe this is just the stress of the funeral making me crack. They tell me that grief can induce hallucinations sometimes. It could be there's nothing to be afraid of down in the dark, after all. I would very much like to think that's true. I guess once I go down and see, I'll know for sure, I guess. If I don't come back, you'll all know too. Good night, Daddy. Sweet James. I love you. I love you. Cove, Day of the Dead. Most of the laugh tracks on television were recorded in the early 1950s. These days, the people you hear laughing are dead. Chuck Palahink Lullaby. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, of course. I thought that's what your job was about? Talking? Actually, Mrs. Chelsea, I would say that my job is about trust. I can't expect people who don't trust me to talk about sensitive things with me, so this session is entirely in your hands. I'll talk about it. Therapy was my idea after all. They said that since there was just the one incident, it wasn't really necessary, but I thought it was a good idea. Alright then, tell me what happened. It was just a drawing on a sidewalk. A stencil, you know. Artists leave them around the city sometimes, and I was out shopping with my family when my son pointed it out. It was a skeleton wearing a top hat, and it had the word Saturday underneath it what do you think that means? It sounds like Baron Semedi. Who? He's a low. A, a voodoo spirit. He watches over the dead, and he's usually represented by a top hat and a skull. Semedi means Saturday. So this drawing frightened you? I had a kind of fit when I saw it. They called it an anxiety attack. They even took me to the hospital. And what did they find out? They said there's nothing wrong with me physically. They talked about stress and lack of sleep, and they said I should take it easy but not to worry unless it happened again. But I'm worried anyway. Has anything like this ever happened before? Once. The-, the same day that my son died. You said your son was the one who noticed the stencil. That's my youngest son, Dylan. I I had an older son, Jonah, but he's, he's not with us anymore. He was murdered five years ago. I'm very sorry, Mrs. Chelsea. Can I ask if you received any psychological counseling afterwards? No, I was busy with Dylan. You see, isn't it strange? The day Jonah died was the same day I found out I was pregnant again, and I guess I just bored everything into managing the pregnancy so that I wouldn't think about anything else, and for years I, I didn't. Not until this week. Should I talk about the murder? As I said, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to. I... I'll talk about it. Jonah was 15. I had him when I was still in high school. He was very gifted. He played the cello and the piano, and they made him the organist at our school church. That was what got him into trouble. The minister was friends with my husband, Jonah's stepfather, and he loved to hear Jonah play, so he put him at the organ. Everyone loved him. It wasn't just that Jonah was talented, he was- I guess you could say he had a performer's charisma. I'm- uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's hard to talk about. That's all right mrs chelsea should we change the subject no i've already said this much some something people liked about jonah he would always play the hymns but he'd play some of his own music too before and after the service he composed his own material it was very strange sounding but everyone liked it well almost everyone one day a man came to us after church and told them to stop told them to stop playing told him to stop playing his own music. He was very upset. He looked like he hadn't had much sleep. He might have been drunk. He told us that the song Jonah played that day was wrong, somehow, that it was driving him crazy. He was screaming at us in the parking lot, telling us that we didn't realize what we were doing, that he spent his whole life trying to get away from that music. Didn't make any sense. Tell me about the song. It was very odd now that you mentioned it. it was. Bouncy it made me think of the circus for some reason it made sense if you knew Jonah though He was always playing for laughs. I heard him practicing it in his room. It made me feel Unsettled the first time I heard it. Hmm and what about this man? Well that day in the parking lot he just ran off after scaring the daylights out of us, but the next week he came back with a gun This is Chelsea. It was the day of the dead November 1st. I remember that. Someone had left something on the organ for Jonah. As a joke, you know, those Day of the Dead decorations, little silhouette statuettes of skeletons doing everyday things? Skeleton housewives cooking, or skeleton barber with scissors and a razor, or a therapist? Huh? I have one that's a skeleton therapist with a skeleton patient on his couch. A client gave it to me. It's actually quite funny. Oh well, this one was Elton playing the piano. Jonah thought it was hilarious. He showed it to everyone. No one would have, nobody would admit to leaving it. Then he started playing. Everyone was enjoying it. He was coming to the end of the song. Then that man from the week before stood up and then. Where is that man now, Mrs. Chelsea? In a mental hospital. I've visited him a few times. He cries a lot and tells me, tells me he's sorry, but he says you must understand why. You of all people must understand why I did it. I don't know why he says that, but the thing I remember about that day, now that I never remembered before, is that little day of the dead statue. The skeleton was wearing a tap hat, you see. Ah, so the central drawing reminded you of it. No, that wasn't it. I mean, I suppose it did, but- Doctor, I've never told anyone this before, but the day that Jonah was murdered, everyone assumed I was hysterical because of what happened, and I was, but it started before the. It started when I saw that little statuette on the church organ. Something about that figure—that the skeleton in the hat—it it terrified me. It scared me so bad that I wanted to stand up and shout to Jonah to run away from it, but I was too frightened to even move. And by the time I could, the man, with the gun had already. Eaten. It's all right, Miss Chelsea. But you're sure that your fear response started before the shooting, not after? Yes. Yes, I'm sure. Hmm. So the skeleton in the hat, that image upsets you? Do you know why? I can't imagine. Can you think of the first time you ever saw it? Well, when I was a child, I used to have a nightmare. There was a little girl in the room. Was it you? It might have been, but it was hard to tell. Whoever she was, she was in a dark room and she was crying. And all around her, there were these, I guess, puppets or dolls? And they were screaming. The puppets were screaming? Yes, all of them screaming and screaming and the little girl was crying. Did you have this nightmare a lot? All the time, when I was five? What does this have to do with the skeleton and the top hat? That was one of the puppets. That's the first time I can remember seeing that image. Well, not seeing exactly, but that's my earliest memory. I see. What did your parents do when they told when you told them about this dream? They took the TV away. Why? They said that I had the dream because of something I saw on TV. Do you remember that? No, and I didn't at the time either, but they insisted. It was actually very strange. Now that I think about it, it seemed to scare them somehow. Of course, it's hard to remember. I was so young, you know. Of course. Do you still have this dream? No, that, that is not until very recently. But you've had it again. Yes, just after the stencil drawing and the anxiety attack. That same night, actually, but only that once. And that was the first time in, you no know, 40 years, I guess? It's normal, right, to have that dream again after seeing something that reminded me of it? We don't really deal in words like normal or abnormal here, Mrs. Chelsea. I would say that it is noteworthy that you had the same dream after so long, but I don't think it's something you have to worry about. Can I ask, was anything different about the dream this time? Yes. And what was that? One of the puppets. It looked like... it looked like Jonah. It's alright to cry, Mrs. Chelsea. Here, dry your eyes. I can imagine it was very upsetting, but it's important to remember that dreams are your mind's way of trying to tell us something. Can you remember any other strange dreams about your oldest son? For a while, right after he died, I would have one where I was standing on the shore, watching him sail away on a big ship. That's a very common image. No, not not like this. There was something wrong with that ship. Something terrible. And the people on it with him, they weren't people. Not normal people. I had the feeling they were, you know, kidnapping him. Carrying him away like they were pirates. Yes, that's it. And I heard music too. Strange, jumbled circus music. It sounded a little like the song that Jonah played in the church. And, you know, come to think of it, he told me that the song came to him in a dream first. It might even have been a dream about a ship. I didn't pay much attention. I remember I even faked having to make a phone call so I could leave the room and stop listening to him talk about it. Isn't that terrible? Without the time, hearing about his dreams upset me very much. Let's move on. Have there been any other incidents lately that have upset you? Anything unusual that disrupted your regular routine? I'm not sure what's important. Anything might be important. We won't know for sure unless we talk about it. Well... A few weeks ago, this was before the panic attack, I was at a toy store trying to find something for Dylan. He was turning five that week, and I found this thing. It was a doll, you know, not a normal one. It was like a little pirate, but its head was—wasn't went from a porcelain baby doll the old kind. It looked like something a serial killer would make in their basement. And that bothered you? Well, it was horribly ugly. I asked the owner, and she said she found it when she was cleaning out the storeroom. She had no idea where it came from. She wasn't sure whether she should sell it or not. I told her to throw it away. It scared me. I guess it sounds silly now. Why would something like that get to me so much? To grind your skin. What? I said things get under your skin. I, th- I thought you said- Never mind. There's something else too. As I was cleaning my son's room, the next day I thought I saw the same doll in there. Thought you did? As I was cleaning under his bed, something caught my eye. It was that red? It was that red bandana. And I saw that doll's little face staring at me, with those cracked painted eyes, and I swear I just about screamed. And when I looked under the bed again, it wasn't there. I told myself I just imagined it, but Are all these things really important? Oh, yes, Mrs. Chelsea. I say we're making great progress. With these sorts of things, you have to go inside. What did you say? You have to go inside, of your mindset, you know? Inside of your issues. But why did you say it that way the first time? I'm not sure what you mean. Doctor, I... Let's move on. It seems that your anxiety is being triggered by some very specific imagery. Tell me when else it's come up. I... Tell me, Mrs. Chelsea. Please. My neighbor. She had Halloween decorations up on her house for weeks. There was one that was a kind of skeleton that hung on her window. The sort of thing you'd buy at a drugstore this time of year. It startled me when I looked out my window and saw it. It was it was like it was looking right into my house. It had big glass eyes that were too large for its skull. That bothered me. I had such a strange feeling when I saw it. The first time I thought to myself, he's found it just popped into my head and a second later i couldn't have told you what it means but that's not what scared me what did my neighbor took all the other decorations off her house after halloween but she she kept that one every morning i would see that thing staring into my window and finally one day i mentioned to her very casually know that it was almost thanksgiving and she really ought to take that last halloween decoration down And she said i don't know what you're talking about it's been gone for weeks was it there when you looked out the window again No. Do you think it was ever really there to begin with? I... I don't know. What else has been on your mind? Dylan. He's a very bright child, like his brother, and they look alike. But he's not a musician, instead he draws. Has he been making strange pictures? How did you know? A lucky guess. Do go on, Mr. Chelsea. I feel sick. I feel like the room is moving. It's your imagination. Tell me about Dylan's pictures. They're of a sailing ship, but not a normal one. It has a, you know, a figurehead at the front of it that's too big, and it talks. The figurehead talks? Yes. How do you know that, if it's just a picture? I just know, and he's been drawing it for weeks and weeks, over and over, and sometimes he draws other things, too. Strange things. Terrible things. but things you recognize. Yes. Where have you seen these things before, Miss Chelsea? In my dreams and on television when I was five years old the show came on every day and I was scared of it but I watched it anyway when I tried to get my parents to watch it with me they said they said what did they say That there was no show And i didn't understand what they meant and that's when the nightmare began i remember now that's that's when i first heard that song the strange one that jonah played that's that's why i was upset when i heard it because it reminded me of that show and i thought maybe that's why the man in the church was upset by it too i guess as i grew up i kind of forget about the whole thing but but you didn't forget did you you never forget the things that are really important in childhood And we didn't for- I guess you don't. And we didn't forget about you either. What? I said they didn't forget- No, you didn't. You said- We. We didn't forget about you. Well, it's true. We didn't forget. We've been waiting for you, Janice, all this time. Dr. Horace, why are you laughing like that? Dr. Horace? (laughs) I'm not a doctor, and you see, this isn't a doctor's office at all. Is it? It's the cabin of a ship. That's why it's moving. That's why you started to feel seasick. What's going on? You're off on an adventure on the high seas, Janice. Just like the ones on the television when you were a little girl. The ones we made just for you. Stop talking like that and stop calling me that too. My name isn't Janice. But it could be. You'd make as good as, of a Janice as anyone. Think of how much better life would be if you were. Janice never murdered. Janice never had a murdered son. Janice never had to worry that she was losing her mind. Janice never had a murdered son. Janice never had to worry that she was losing her mind. Janice only had adventures all the time, but they were so awful. So frightening. Well, being a child is always a little frightening, isn't it? But you won't be alone here. All of your old friends are on board, and we have some new ones, too. Even Jonah is here. Jonah? Oh, yes. He's been just the best little crew member for us, and he's been waiting for you. Just think about how wonderful it will be to see him again, and to see everyone else, too. All one big, happy crew together. But what about Dylan? Your other boy? Oh, don't worry about him. We'll get around to him in due time. But do you hear that, Janice? I hear a voice. And what's telling you? I I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to be here. I want to go home. This is home, Janice. This is the home we made for you. The home that's been waiting for you. The home that you'll be in forever and ever. The voice that you hear, why? That's the voice of your new home. What is it saying? I... What is it saying, Janice? It's saying that I have to go inside. And those were all the candle cove stories. Jesus Christ. They really ranged in quality. So, I'm I haven't done this before mostly because the stories I've read were mostly just chapters, divided into chapters, but this is this was like a series. So I'm gonna kinda rate or just tell you what I thought about each story, just cause I have some actual thoughts about a couple of them. So let's start with Kendall Cove. Kendall Cove, it's the original dude. I don't know what to say, it's the fucking original. I can't hate it honestly it was the first one I liked the ending where it's like was it real or was it fake you'll never know because it ended there technically but honestly it was pretty good I liked Candle Cove I felt like it was a good start I don't know if the others were made this by the same people but I thought it was good For the first story that really showed Candle Cove being a thing, you know, you can't fault it for that. It's the OG. It's the original. So, I liked it. It's the original. I don't know how else to say. Next is a Candle Cove anecdote. I kinda liked it, honestly. I kinda liked it. The ending was slightly strange. Because I'm pretty sure the Horace Horrible doll was a corpse, most likely because it stunk, and it most likely had a, most likely had a kid in there, getting in some Five Nights at Freddy shit with that one. But probably that. The ending was kind of strange with the tree. It definitely was a very supernatural end, kind of because. That that doesn't happen. That's not a normal. (laughs) That's not a normal thing. So, I mean. It was good. Honestly. Being that it was the first kind of sequel. And it was just kind of an anecdote of what was happening. It stayed true to the thing. And it had it be kind of a real thing. But you're not really sure if it was a real thing. It's kind of like that Ben drowned, like found it at a yard sale, but then everyone disappears and you can't go back to ask questions about it. So, kind of give that strange what hell, what into hell. So you know, Candle Cove anecdote could have been worse. Actually, wasn't. It was actually pretty okay. Then there's Candle Cove experiences, tales of the laughingstock. Number one, I hate that they call them kiddie shows. Just call them fucking kid shows. Holy shit, not that hard. Number two, I fucking hated this story. I really did. I wanted to like it because it was actually the longest of the sequels, but of the Cove stories. But holy shit, this story was garbage. It had an interesting premise of someone... Going and talking to the cast and crew about Candle Cove. Interesting. What's not interesting of how fucking stupid it was. Like I don't even I can't even explain why, but like it was just fucking garbage, dude. I hated it. I hated reading it. It was ugh. It was garbage. If you ever read the Candle Cove stories yourself, just fucking skip this one. It's fucking garbage. Kitty shows. I swear to God, it makes me want to fucking snap. But like, how like everyone's like, oh my god, this show traumatized me so much. The cast crew were like, oh my god, this sh- but they never told you why. They're like, oh, it kept getting darker. Like, bitch, for real? Is that really? Like, they were such babies, honestly. (laughs) The crew were such babies. Like, Jesus. Also, what the fuck was that guy that literally buried the director after he hung himself? Like, he really saw a guy die and went, you know, I could call 911 because it's not like it was a murder. He hung himself right in front of me. There's corroborating evidence for that. But... No, I'm just going to take him behind the studio and bury him. What the fuck? Also, it never gave any explanation to the season 3 thing. It just like, oh, there was an episode that was going to be the season 1 season 3 premiere. Like and it just said that the author had killed himself. Like what the fuck? Can I get a fucking explanation, please? Please God. On God, it was awful. I fucking hated it. I need to stop talking about it or this will last fifteen minutes simply on that because I have so much fucking anger for it. Lullaby Rock, a candle cove memoir. Um it was it was so close to being good. It really was. I think I actually kept in the take that I was like, wait, that's it? <laughs> because that's it? Really? Really? It just ended with the NASA check envelope and that's fucking- like what does that mean? It's obviously connected to Candle Cove, like what, did NASA make Candle Cove or what the fuck is going on? Like it started so good, but then the ending was so fucking confusing, like I really liked it. I liked that the siren put the author to sleep and put him in a coma for two years. Like, that's interesting. I just wish that they'd fucking done something about it. Which makes me really sad. It was it was going so good and then the ending was just fucking garbage. It made me really disappointed. Candle Cove, Down in the Dark. Honestly, it was pretty good. It kind of ended a little... It had, Sorry, it ended a little flatly, but you know, it didn't end completely rock bottom, like a lullaby rock. It was actually pretty decent. I wouldn't say like, I really liked the thought that the dad had taken on like the burden of dealing with Candle Cove haunting them, so that's kind of interesting. But like, the end of just I'm going down the basement hope I don't die, and that's it. Like Okay. Okay. (laughs) And because it doesn't continue or anything, it's just like, okay, but did you die? (laughs) Okay, but did you die? (laughs) Did you die, though? Candle Cove, Day of the Dead. I think this was made by the same person because it was posted on the same day, June 18th, same year, 2013, and has a quote in the start like, Down in the Dark does. So I think they were made by the same author? I think I actually read Day of the Dead before, or listened to it? Holy shit. This one's so fucking good. This honestly takes a lot of the vibes of the original and fucking amplifies it. It's like, does this exist? I fucking love it. I love the, does this exist or does it not exist? Are you just crazy? Like, it's so good! It's so good! And the fact, like... The slow... Dissolving... Of the facade of a doctor's office, like, oh, it's so fucking good, dude. I fucking die. Like, bro, the atmosphere. It's amazing. I cannot. I simply cannot. It's just really good, honestly, like... Especially after the disappointment that was all by Rock and Candle Cove Experience's Tales of the Stock*, Like, holy shit. This thing really went. I am now going to take the crown of the best Candle Cove sequel. Bye! And fucking blew down in the dark out the water. Down in the dark more than out the fucking water. Yeah, down in the dark because you're in obscurity now because Day of the Dead fucking trumped you. Like... And I like that it's exclusively dialogue between two characters, and they're talking about it. And how it progresses in a natural way, and you slowly get deeper into it. And the more the author reveals, like, you know it's Candle Cove, but the author slowly reveals more info, and you're like, whoa. Whoa! It's like a gradual pulling back of the curtain to what's going on. It's very cool. I really like that. But so, if you were to read the Candle Cove stories, definitely read the original Candle Cove. Always will always recommend it. Read Candle Cove anecdote if you want to. It's not bad, but it's not like it's like two minutes of reading. So read it, read it if you want. Candle Cove experiences, tales of the laughing stock. Don't fucking read it. Lullaby Rock a Candle Cove memoir. Honestly, don't bother. It doesn't feel like it's a Candle Cove story at all. It feels like it just used it and didn't go anywhere with it. It was actually really disappointing, so don't read that. Candle Cove Down in the Dark? Read it. It may end a little weird, but definitely read it. In Candle Cove, dear of the Dead? Fucking read it. Read it right now. Holy shit, it's so good. Or just listen to me read it again. <laughs> Thank you for the extra views! No, just kidding. But read Candle Cove Day of the Dead, the original Candle Cove, Candle Cove Down the Dark, and a Candle Cove Anecdote. And that's it. Don't read the other two. Because it's- like I said, Lullaby Rock started good, but the ending was just fucking crashed and burned so hard. It was like, I'm sorry, what? Like it was so close. And then it freaked it. It made you a story, but it freaked it. But, those are the Candle Cove stories. Sorry I ranted for so long, I just had many thoughts about it. Because I, haven't, I hadn't read them before, and so I had many thoughts head full about Candle Cove series. But, cutting myself off before this gets any longer, before this gets longer than the episodes, which would be really depressing. <laughs> but... Those were, those were the Candle Cove... That, bleh, that was the Candle Cove series. I'm not re-recording that. Fuck that. That was the Candle Cove series. And this was Horror Files. I believe it's actually episode 3. Imagine it not being episode 3. I'm just dumb as shit. It's either 3 or 4. I don't know if I, count, if I counted the pilot as episode 1. I'm also dumb as shit. But... That was The Horror Files, episode three or four, and I'm Vincent, your host. Thank you for watching, and have a good night, or good afternoon, or good morning, even. Just have a good day, and try not to get your skin taken, okay? That fucker's everywhere, despite him not being that scary, actually. But that's just an opinion. A Vincent opinion.